So at this point, Stream to Sea is the only mineral sunscreen and body care product on the planet that has actually tested and proven that we do not harm humans, we don't harm fish, and we do not harm coral larvae. So this poor gal is on a coral research boat and they're using Stream to Sea. And she says, no, I can't. I have to use my prescription sunscreen. Rather than allow her tank to bang into a brain coral, she slightly touched it with her hand and just gently pushed off. They came back a week later and her handprint was bleached into the coral larva head. A year later, it's still there and the whole coral started to degrade. By year two, it was dead. Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the fields of holistic wellness and sustainable living. I am your host, Todd Howard, coming to you from Raven Hill Herb Farm, a permaculture design campus of Pacific Rim College in Victoria, British Columbia. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts to embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. This fascinating conversation with Mike Maltair, the Executive Vice President of Stream to Sea, the manufacturer of the safest mineral sunscreen and body care product on the planet, is a deep dive into the skincare product market. It is no coincidence that Stream to Sea was born from a passion for diving and protecting the oceans by the CEO, Autumn Bloom. Mike has a knack for effectively presenting complex information that is often otherwise intentionally mind-boggling. The less we know about our skincare products, the easier it is for manufacturers to use dangerous carcinogens and highly toxic components. The cosmetic industry is a behemoth with a great deal to lose from too many educated consumers. Mike takes us through a laundry list of nasty ingredients that are ubiquitous in skincare products. These toxins not only damage us through our highly absorbent skin, but also wreak havoc on the land, waterways, and oceans. Coral reefs and their inhabitants are literally dying from the toxic runoff that washes from the skin of sunbathers and swimmers. Add to that the millions of pounds of harmful soaps and shampoos that eventually reach the ocean each year, and it is little wonder that our blue planet is suffering. Today's skincare products include highly toxic hand sanitizers that are literally being forced on the global population, most especially on our children. We talk at length about the human effects of skincare products, including widespread fertility issues, surging rates of cancer, and rising levels of virtually all autoimmune diseases. We also discuss the unscrupulous censorship that prevents this type of essential information from reaching the masses, and the pervasive use of marketing gimmicks, even by the companies you might think you can trust, that are designed to intentionally deceive. Mike, Autumn, and the team at Stream to Sea are tireless warriors for a healthy planet and healthy people. Their company is one that is truly making the world a better place, and it is through our voice and choice as consumers that we can show our support. Please enjoy this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Mike Maltair. Mike, welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. It's good to have you. It's good timing. I just published your brother's podcast last night. Wow. So I figured if you're even half as knowledgeable and enthusiastic as he is, we're going to have a great conversation. <laughs> well, I hope I'm at least half as knowledgeable, <laughs> maybe more enthusiastic about my product line than he would be, but we'll see. <laughs> well, I want to thank Tom for introducing the two of us. We spoke, he spoke of you during our podcast together and uh, the sunscreen company that you have streamed to see. So can you maybe just start by telling us a bit about it? Sure. 
Well, my business partner, Autumn Blum, is a cosmetic chemist and an herbalist. She first made um, Theranine products with the Organic South, and a lot of people still have neem products. I believe she was one of the first people to bring neem to the United States. She was diving in Palau after she sold that company and noticed the big rainbow slick coming off of people jumping into the water. And she said, wow, this is a, a potential problem. Let's find out what it is. Started doing a little bit of research and decided that she was going to make a shampoo because divers um, put sunscreen on, jump into the water, come back up for their you know decompression time. They shower off, put sunscreen on again, and then jump back in the water. So she thought, you know, all that stuff is going right off the boat into the water. Let's make a shampoo that's going to work. So she used all the tools that she had. She's a brilliant formulator. She had it organic certified. It was whole food certified. It was eco certified. And she said, you know, these are the tests that we know about. They seem to work well for humans. I wonder what they do for the aquatic environment. Sent them off to Eckerd College for some testing. Put two drops into an aquarium and everything died by lunch. Wow. Literally, right? So you think eco-cert, you go, ooh, that's going to be great for the water. You think organic, great for the water. Not at all, right? So it doesn't. This, this is the product she created. That was the original product. Wow. Yes. So all it right. got scrapped. Unfortunately, we had 250,000 bottles on order. Oh, and we, gosh. And, and we could not produce them, right? I mean, brand new company, wouldn't that be a great start to sell a quarter of a million of your products right off the bat? But we couldn't do it. Right? We couldn't ship it out because it was going to kill everything that it came into contact with. And what it turns out is about 80% of all the body care products on the planet contain those same chemicals. And you know that's based on a study out of France that actually is looking at what do we do with this body care problem. And, and at this point, sunscreen is catching a lot of attention because you know places like Hawaii have banned two of the chemicals, just oxybenzone and octanoxate. They're currently trying to ban the next round. I mean, I don't think you have to be a cosmetic chemist to know that when you replace oxybenzone with avobenzone, it's probably not that much different, right? And so we're just waiting for the new tests to come out. And octocrylene is just one of the nastiest things out there. And, and a lot of countries have actually banned it. And I'm guessing that it, we're not long before this one will as well. So you're speaking of components that most people have probably never even heard of. They may not have heard of them, but at the last test in 2008, 97% of Americans had oxybenzone in their system at all times. That's crazy. And what does it do to us? So oxybenzone is a UV inhibitor. It's used in a lot of, um, you know, different sunscreens and actually just any product that is trying to stay UV stable. So my understanding is it's in petroleum-based plastic. It's in all sorts of you know, products that we use on a daily basis. It goes right through the wastewater treatment plant. So it's in our water. Um, you know, It gets out into the ocean and everything. And essentially the biggest problems with all those chemicals that I just mentioned, the four, oxybenzone, avobenzone, octocrylene, octanoxate, um, they're all endocrine disruptors or estrogen mimickers. And so what happens when you put a whole bunch of that into the water is you either start creating a whole bunch of feminized fish or all female, or their eggs are not viable because too much of it has caused damage. And it really, 
you know, we, we look at the ocean and you say it's enormous. And so it, it's easy to just dilute. It turns out 62 parts per trillion is all it takes of oxybenzone to kill coral larva. To give you an image of that, that's one eyedropper, just one drop in six and a half Olympic sized swimming pools. That's the concentration to wow. kill coral larva, right? So look at someplace like Hanama Bay where it's at 29,800 parts per trillion and you go, no wonder the coral's not reproducing. No wonder the fish are having trouble reproducing. Yeah. There's too much estrogen in the water. I spent a summer living right beside Hanama Bay. Yeah, mm. I spent uh, at least one weekend a month there. I had an uncle who worked for the UH and he was in that water all the time and we got to go with him. It was an amazing place to grow up. I mean, when Tom and I were kids, if people came from California, we would put frozen peas in their swimming trunks because that would mean that a school of fish about 20 pounds <laughs> would end up in their swimming trunks. And you couldn't walk up to your knees without getting hit by fish because there were just so many of them, right? It was just ridiculous. And about 12 years ago, I took my daughters back and they had been with me in Fiji and different places looking at the reef. And, and when we got to Hanama Bay, they said, dad, it was a beautiful hike. It's a beautiful bay, but why did we bring our mask and snorkel? So it's better than some places, but yeah. it's nowhere near what it was. Right, you have to actually go looking for the fish rather than having them swarm around you naturally. Crazy. Question comes up: How did you yeah. manage to get frozen peas into people's swim trunks? <laughs> That's a valid question. You just gotta <laughs> sneak them around, right, and then start chumming the water around them, and then open their shorts real quick and throw a handful in. <laughs> it's it's a bit uh, shocking, <laughs> really. Yeah. And how do you keep peas frozen in Hawaii? Yeah, well, they probably weren't by the time we got there, but that's <laughs> what we took with us. That's hilarious. I love the, the line of, nobody's ever asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of it before. Okay, so oxybenzone, I think you said it's a UV inhibitor. Uh -huh. So I'm guessing in some way it's interfering with the way biological creatures respond to the sun is that you know i i don't know if it's as it, it, what it is my understanding there's a drug called homosalate that a lot of the sunscreens use that it pulls the chemicals underneath your skin and it sits under there and and it diffuses the sun's rays now supposedly it absorbs them and then if you, if you read their information, it says that it is then dispersed. So wouldn't the same thing then be happening in the ocean with the plant life that requires the sunlight to live? It's very possible if it's getting into their cells, but I don't even think it has the chance because most of the time what we find, especially on like coral, when it's exposed to oxybenzone or octanoxate or any of these other things, it kills the algae on it pretty quickly. Yeah. And so that's the part that really, and that's the bleaching event. I mean, literally I have a photo of a brain coral that this poor coral researcher was going out there and tried to convince the boat that was using only stream to sea because I didn't even mention that. At this point, there is no designation for what reef safe means. There's no law, there's no regulations. You can put it on anything, right? So at this point, stream to sea is the only mineral sunscreen and body care product on the planet 
that has actually tested and proven that we do not harm humans. We are our own guinea pigs. We do not harm sea elegans, which are the little worms in the ocean that share a whole bunch of our DNA, like 94% of our DNA. So whenever cancer research was testing on things, they were testing on sea elegans. We don't harm fish, either freshwater or saltwater, and we do not harm coral larvae. The only ones on the planet that can say that about our whole product line, right? There's nobody else that can get there. So this poor gal is on a coral research boat and they're using stream to sea. And she says, no, I can't. I am hypoallergenic. I have to use my prescription sunscreen. Okay, fine, whatever. You know, they, one person, they let her do it. It was what they call a sporty day in diving, which to me just means chopping or barf cruise. <laughs> you know, it was really, uh, really rough out there. And rather than allow her tank to bang into a brain coral, she slightly touched it with her hand and just gently pushed off. They came back a week later and her handprint was bleached into the coral larva head, right, right into the top of this brain coral. A year later, it's still there and the whole coral started to degrade. By year two, it was dead. And it was wow. this beautiful, big brain coral that we're having trouble keeping alive these days. You know, so, and, and her whole goal was to protect coral. She just had no idea. It's an incredibly toxic, um, you know, you look at uh, aerosol sunscreens. If you spray your feet on grass with an aerosol sunscreen, when you come back the next day, all the grass will be dead around your feet. You'll be able to see your footprints. And you can detect those same chemicals 450 square meters from wherever you sprayed it initially. And that's another Hawaii test. There's a marine bird preserve about a half a mile away from a popular beach. And all of the seabird eggs tested with all these chemicals in them. Aye. Yeah. So you wonder, I mean, your, your folks are going to know. I mean, when I'm 52, when I was a kid, there was never anybody that said um, they were trying to get pregnant. Now, I'm sure there were infertility issues in the past, but not like it is now. It's a common, common statement among, you know, people everywhere. We're trying Absolutely. to get pregnant. Yeah, so our fertility's gone down close to 60% in the last 30 years, and it's still going down rapidly. Whew, a lot to digest there. Quick question <laughs> about, about the brain coral. Did you, have you tested the same hand print using stream to see to see how a brain coral responds? We have tested in labs with the, the weakest part, right? The, the, the coral larva. Right. If you look at a mature coral, just touching coral does damage to it. So we don't want to do any damage to anything that's mature. Right. So, I mean, touching it would cause a problem, but our, um, our formula does not cause any problems for it at all. So we've done multiple tests with coral in tanks and things like that, but brushing up against it is going to cause trouble with the structure and with the, you know, the living cells of it with that, algae and everything that's growing on it okay so yeah let's we let, really are serious about it if we're going to do a test it's got to be something that is going to make sense and not just because we're curious yes. <laughs> you know? well let's take a look at some of the other poisonous toxic parts of the sunscreens that are commonly being used you've mentioned oxybenzone and a few other chemicals that i can't say because i've never heard of them <laughs> what what are some of the common things that people might actually be familiar with by name 
that are in their sunscreens or their their skincare products in general, I guess. That are harmful. Sure. Well, skincare products in general, the one that scares me the most, um, and, and see, there is a distinction. So a sunscreen is considered an over-the-counter drug. So if you look at the back of a sunscreen label, especially in the United States, it will say drug facts, right? So that does tell you that there's actually drugs in there, or there were in most cases. According to the FDA here, um, in 2019, they said that the only safe sunscreen is a mineral sunscreen. And they were only referring to humans. They weren't really referring to anything else. But they said, you know, it's likely that the only safe things are minerals. So what minerals would people be familiar with? There's zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. They're about the only two. The minerals are not created equal. So if it does not say non-nanoparticles, then it is nanoparticles, likely. Um, if it says sheer or clear formula, usually it's what I would call like a clumped together nanoparticle. And as soon as you add stress to it, heat, salt water, air, things like that, it starts to break down into its individual particles. Regardless of that discussion, if you look at the MSDS sheet, right, the material data, safety data sheet for any of these products, it says toxic to the aquatic environment on it. So just zinc as a standard thing is slightly water soluble. And as it breaks down, it changes the pH. So if you are shipping zinc, it has to have a big dead fish and a big dead tree on the label. Because if you spill a whole bunch of it, it is a biohazard, right? Now in small amounts, it probably doesn't do a whole lot. And it doesn't do that much for humans because obviously humans need some zinc. And even the nanoparticles, they don't think get into our system. So I would use a zinc on me. I just would not allow it to be anywhere near the water. And there's where you run into a problem. If you shower, it gets into the ocean, right? It's just a matter of time. So, yeah. What it, What is it about the nano zinc or titanium? What does that mean? And why is that not as good? What a nanoparticle is just something that's very, very small, obviously, and it gets into fish eggs and things like that. It affects the animals because aquatic animals have different skin than we do completely, right? So they're taking in nutrients through the water. They're breathing it in, right? They're, that's, it's all part of them. So those nanoparticles start messing with their actual cellular structure. So close to home where you guys are, um, the Couchin River is yes. in BC. Yep. They have a inner tube rental place, the Tube Shack, right? Yep. Uh, about two years ago, uh, Canadian News went out to the Tube Shack and said, you guys are killing all the salmon. There hasn't been a salmon hatch in four years. Now, at the time, and this is where we run into a problem, right? Because this is a multi-trillion dollar industry that does not want to hear me. <laughs> right <laughs> hang on the, the tube shack is multi-trillion no, no. i, I gotta the, get no, into no, that no. business the body care industry right <laughs> got and it so this is what's happened thank you for clarifying no the tube <laughs> shack definitely is not although i'm sure he would love that <laughs> what is your canadian tubing season like six weeks maybe <laughs> well, you're lucky that's what wetsuits are for all right okay or, or as they do on the couch and a lot of beer yeah, right. There you go. That makes sense. But <laughs> you, you got to have some yeah, fortitude there. So the Canadian news comes out and says there's sunscreen chemicals, right? And they listed chemicals that are killing the eggs. That's why they're not viable. 
Well, what's happened since is um, the owner got in touch with me. We talked about what he needed to do. He thought he had a, a reef safe one that he was going to use and he was going to be fine. He was wrong because he didn't know what was going on. He did the best that he could and he believed what people write, right? If you write reef safe, they go, yeah, it should be fine. Well, nobody knows what that even means. So um, he changed. If you go to the tube shack now, you're not allowed to rent a tube without having stream to see sunscreen or at least showing him your sunscreen and he will read through it and make sure that it is safe. They won't allow anything else out there and some big corporation or lobbying group or something got a hold of the Canadian news and it's hard to even find that news story anymore. Hmm. So he has even had a cease and desist order given to him, I'm sure. He hasn't said that because I'm sure there's also legal ramifications for that. But when you listen to his video now, he will say something like, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's a great video. Um, although there is no solid proof that these chemicals cause problems, the tube shack has decided to take matters into their own hands and go with the, the brand that has the most testing and can guarantee that it doesn't do anything. And guess what, guys? Coincidentally, we had the highest salmon hatch in the last two decades. Crazy. After one season of using Stream to See. Wow. That's right? amazing. So that's what's happening is it's all this stuff is getting in. It's small enough to penetrate through the membranes of fish eggs, right? It's small enough to get into sea urchins and cause them to have birth defects or or not survive and it really does not take high levels of it to make that happen now it's not happening everywhere it's typically where people are getting in the water or where wastewater treatment plants are pumping that stuff into rivers and wherever it comes out what a good story especially for listeners of this podcast because so many of them are familiar with the cowichan and have probably tubed on the cowichan which but, sounds awesome. I'd like to get up there. Oh, it's yeah, it's gorgeous. But also just such a great lesson for what is happening around the world. To think of the I don't know how many billions and billions of pounds of sunscreen that's going into our oceans. It's it's just crazy, from, devastating. From direct contact, NOAA says that it's about fourteen thousand tons of sunscreen a year. And that does not include chemicals from body care products. That doesn't include anything that's coming from, you know, your shower or anything like that. That's just direct contact in the ocean. Jeez. Oh, it bioaccumulates. So, you know, we have tests from all over the place. In We were talking about Florida earlier. In um, Bahia Honda Key, down, you know, in the Keys, uh, they actually have recorded all of those chemicals at levels that are high enough to kill coral larvae, high enough to cause estrogen problems in humans, but they're even finding things that have been banned for years and years, like PABAs and things like that, that we haven't had on the market in forever. And it's bioaccumulating in the sand and still moving around and still causing problems. Mm. I, I want to talk a bit more about the zinc and titanium oxide because those are seen typically as the safer alternative to sunscreen. Most sure. of the, the natural kid sunscreens have zinc oxide in them. I haven't looked for the nano, but I'll definitely look for the non-nano aspect. You said those aren't typically harmful to people, but they are to the seas and to the water. What about the non 
natural eco sunscreens. What are what is in those, and what sort of impact and devastation is that causing? Non-natural eco sunscreens. I'm, just I'm the, not just the mainstream sunscreen, not something that someone's actually working hard to make safe and natural. Yeah. So what you're running into is th there's different terminologies. And I think probably in your realm, people are really used to the term organic in food. Yeah. And it means something completely different in body care. Okay. And that's the part that is incredibly frustrating to me because I look at it and say, organic, that should be good, right? That's what we're shooting for. Well, it turns out that the definition of a mineral is inorganic. So mineral is the safer option, but if you're calling it organic, that's a falsehood, right? Because it's an inorganic material. So the chemicals can actually be called organic, right? So petroleum is technically organic, hmm. right? If you look at it, it came from the earth, right? It was something that, you know, did it on its own. So if you look at standard mainstream uh, sunscreens or body care products, if you turn that label over um, under the drug facts or under the active ingredients, if it's one of those things that you cannot pronounce or it's not zinc or titanium dioxide, according to the FDA, it's not safe. Right. So it doesn't matter what it is if you can't read it. I mean, if you want to be really, really natural, use, well, put on a shirt and a hat first. Right. But what you cannot cover, you can put on coconut oil and it'll get you an SPF six. Right. SPF five depends on how much pulp's in the stuff. Right. How, how thick it is. But if you want to go with something that is truly natural, are truly healthy, you're looking for a titanium dioxide that is a non-nano or a zinc oxide that is coated. And the term that, that I would look for is eco-zinc because there's a trademark for eco-zinc and it's actually a zinc that has been coated with something that's natural that will not allow it to break down. A number of them that are coated are not coated with a natural product. They're essentially coated with microplastics. So now you cause that problem because now they're starting to find microplastics in placentas. So they're getting into babies before they're even out of the womb yet. Yeah. And that scares the heck out of me, right? That's the same stuff. So are the non-nano titanium and the coated zinc, are those safe for the water then? They are. They're safe for the water. They do not break down. I mean, you follow the, the zinc versus titanium logic, okay? Um, and you will hear other things and, and your folks are researchers, right? So they're going to look at it and go, if you snort titanium, it's a carcinogen, right? Okay. Do, pe do people snort titanium? I, they snort cinnamon and it'll kill you too. <laughs> um, I don't know why anybody would do this. And if you are a titanium miner, you're going to be wearing full hazmat suits. But right. in sunscreen, it doesn't make any difference because all of it comes in a formula, right? It's already got oils and stuff in it. And so you can't snort it. It's not going to line your lungs. It's not a carcinogen. Um, so yeah, you would go with a titanium dioxide. The disadvantage of a titanium, although it's an amazing sunscreen and very safe. Um, oh, and I was gonna go down the route of 
you know, when you had a gnarly skateboarding accident, like my brother likes to do, um, they would used to put your body back together with zinc screws and bolts. Well, too many bodies rejected them because it would start to break down and change the pH in the body. And so the body would reject the screws. So they changed to titanium. Now, again, your groups are, you know, researchers and somebody will say, uh, like, just like my daughter, I bought titanium posts for my earrings and it totally annoyed my ears and got infected. Well, that's because it was cheap titanium. They mix it with nickel. And almost everybody's allergic to nickel in one way, shape, or form. It's a very reactive metal. And so people have problems with it, but not in a sunscreen. It's just a titanium. Or like I said, an eco zinc where they they actually coated it safe for everything that we've seen tests on at this point. Okay. And then the organic label, would that be something to look for for the other components like the shea butters or whatever else is in the sunscreen? Is that... Is that what the organic is probably referring to in some of the, the more boutique sunscreens? It would be. And the problem that we ran into is so deep and embedded in everything that's manufactured. So we tried to get this certification from Hereticus Labs called the Protect Land and Sea Certification. Okay, It was a guarantee that the top 10 chemicals that cause problems for humans, you know, like phthalates and all these oxybenzone and everything are not in your product at all. 115 different brands tried for that certification and every single one of them failed. Every one of them said reef safe on them, but every one of them failed. And that included us, right? This is about three years ago. They said, look, you're a hundred times cleaner than anything else on the planet. Find out where you're getting cross-contaminated. We had to track a raw ingredient all the way back to Snaith, England, found one of our ingredients in a blue plastic tub. And the blue plastic tub was leaching all of those 10 chemicals into our product. So what we found, and, and I'm not saying that this is the ingredient, but what we found is, say, you have your choice of a organic aloe vera or a non-organic aloe vera. We test both of them and the preservatives we found in the organic killed stuff. And you just go, wait a minute, right? Any place we can, we use organic because we love that terminology and we love what people think about it. It's just not reality. So you can have cross contaminants that are harming everything in an organic ingredient and you don't know about it. And if you don't know the product that you purchased if it was made in their own factory or if it was made in somebody else's, you have no idea the cross contaminants. So my understanding is that chemical oxybenzone, which is on its way out, right? It won't be around forever. People are starting to catch on to it. But if you have it in a stainless steel kettle where you're making products, all of the products for three and a half years will have trace amounts of oxybenzone in it, even though you have cleaned it out after every single process. Wow. That's crazy. And yeah. that just yeah. goes to show how long it stays in the environment. Right. And we had to buy our own factory and our own kettles and everything so that we didn't have to worry about any sort of cross-contamination from something. I mean, including uh, what you would think would be a beautiful product. You know, some organic product came in, but the preservative they used or what they stored it in or the cross-contaminants from the kettles that they were stored in could have caused problems that wouldn't allow us to pass those tests. Yeah. So we're one of four brands that have the Protect Land and Sea certification at this point. 
and the other three are all zinc based and at least one of them has been shown to harm sea urchins on contact okay so we have the mainstream sunscreens, often oxybenzone in them, and they're just bad all around, I presume. Then we have... Right. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say anything that you can't identify. Yep. Um, if, if it doesn't say non-nano zinc or non-nano titanium, I would just avoid it, right? And if you're in a pinch and you cannot find uh, an eco-zinc or a titanium dioxide that's non-nano... I would go with the zinc um, because it probably won't harm you. Just right. know that in high concentrations, it will in the water. And then when you look at a label on a body care product, remember, I, see how many tangents I've already gone off on? The, <laughs> the over-the-counter drug being a sunscreen in body care products, you don't have to put those chemicals on the label. So if you see the term fragrance and it doesn't say naturally derived from right? Like our body lotion says naturally derived from coconut and it smells like coconut and pineapple because you can find coconut and pineapple in the ingredients, right? But if you don't know what it is, the last I heard, it was up to 3000 chemicals that could be hidden under the term fragrance. So we just have no idea. And does that matter if it says natural fragrance versus fragrance? The term doesn't make any difference right? So if you say fragrance, you can hide those things under it. Um, you just don't know, right? And so it's going back to the actual manufacturer and asking for a complete list of ingredients. And you don't know, you know, a, a lot of people use the EWG, the Environmental Working Group. Um, Environmental Working Group does not have any aquatic testing. So they are going with what industry standards say is okay, which has been proven not to be okay. So Really, it's so much on individuals to do the research to find out exactly what's in there. And I love, I don't know if you're familiar with Laura Adler. She's kind of an... No. Okay, she's an ecotoxicologist that uh, my, my brother put me in touch with as well. And she had a bunch of products that she's recommending on her website. And her response, you know, I said... I wanted to make sure that you were aware that you had this chemical, this chemical, you know, all these different things that are altering humans and fish. And she said, well, you know, the problem with life right now is almost everything is a compromise. So I said, well, I'd like to send you some samples. And I got an email the day that her samples got there. And I don't know if we're allowed to be a little bit off color, but holy crap, no <laughs> compromise. I think you can do holy crap here. Okay. Okay. I'm just checking because we could. <laughs> <laughs> we could go a lot, but that was her response was, holy crap, no compromise, right? So even our tubes are made out of a sugarcane resin because we don't want that petroleum leaching into our product, right? So we go to the ends of the earth, which means we're not profitable and everybody wants to shut us down, <laughs> right? <laughs> it means it's a passion play because everything costs about, you know, five times as much, but it doesn't to the consumer. Because yeah. our goal is not to, you know, make it elitist by any means. We want to do global change. Good for you. That's we need companies like that for sure, and leaders like that. And I wanted to. You spoke of the fragrance and how that could be any of five hundred chemicals. It's it's also the same when we see flavor, natural flavor in foods. That can be anything. So mm -hmm. it's it's so important that even if you're buying an organic product that says natural flavors, it it could be cat urine. That's natural, but it could be something far worse than that.
Right. And that's what we're running into is, is the shocking amount, right? I mean, 80% of all body care products, right? Doesn't matter if it says organic, doesn't matter if it costs you a hundred bucks, it 80% of them, according to the, you know, country of France, um, contain estrogen and endocrine disruptors. And, and to me, that's how I, I got involved twofold, right? Because I watched Hanama Bay totally degrade. The other problem is um, I lost the use of my thyroid, Hashimoto's thyroid problems um, about 20 years ago. And it shouldn't have happened. And it was very frustrating for me because I'm one of those, you know, eat all organic, do all your exercise, you know, everything that you're supposed to do, at least that we know of. And I went to one of the fathers of functional medicine um, there in Nanaimo, BC, um, John Klein. Uh, he's not practicing anymore, but he's the first one that went through and, and he, he kind of enjoys the, you know, blood typing and things like that. And, and I was a B positive blood. And he said, um, the B bloods are usually very, very difficult to get off of center right? They usually are just happy-go-lucky. Everything bounces off them until they get off center. And then it takes forever to get them back. And he found about three or four different triggers. And most of them had to do with environmental toxins. But he was looking for things like, have you worked in a printer factory? Because there's all kinds of toxins, right? Have you worked in any sort of, you know, warehousing with metals and you know, all this sort of stuff. And it came down to, I'm part Hawaiian, but I didn't get the really cool Hawaiian dark skin. I got sturdy bones and wide feet. How does that help me when it comes to sun, <laughs> right? I mean, this is, this is no good. So I've had to wear sunscreen like crazy because I was, you know, too fair skinned. And I'm also one of those people that when I work out, I probably shower, you know, two or three times a day. And so I've been exposed to more than my fair share of body care products. And that's what he pinpointed as probably threw your thyroid off. And that was by your early 30s. Right. Right. And if you look at it now, you know, you talk to people that are in fertility stuff um, or hormones. Usually you were talking to men about hormones in the 50s and 60s. And she said it's pretty normal for people in their 40s now to be on hormone replacement for the rest of their lives. Um, and it's just getting younger and younger. And, you know, to me, a lot of that is what we're doing. It's not only body care products. It's not only sunscreen, but a lot of those chemicals are all petroleum based. And a lot of it has to do with plastics and that sort of stuff that's, that's coming down the pike. And everybody thought it was food. I have two people locally in Boise here where I am. Um, one of them is, you know, like a GQ model looking guy, you know, I don't know why we're friends. I don't even know how to dress myself, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's fine, but, but he's really into it and wears all kinds of different, you know, goop and product in his hair and stuff like that. He's had four surgeries to remove breast tissue from his chest. Wow. And they cannot figure out where all of the estrogen keeps coming from. He's completely eliminated it in his diet. He's got water filtration. He's got all this different stuff. And then come to find out it's in all the body care products that you're using. Absolutely freaks him out, right? I have another doctor who does some aesthetic stuff and she's giving out um, really expensive sunscreen and isn't really interested in listening to me talking about it until I showed her the correlation between those chemicals and breast cancer. And she just had a double mastectomy. Hmm. 
right? And all of a sudden you're going, wait a minute, right? All of these things are coming down the pike. A study out of Sweden says that these chemicals, if you have them in your system, which remember 97% of Americans did in 2008, um, probably more now, uh, if you have those chemicals in your system, the child that you have is less likely to be female or less likely to be male, excuse me, more likely to be female because there's more estrogen. They are 30% more likely to get Parkinson's or Alzheimer's in their lifetime because of the exposure of these chemicals that their parents had when they were being born. If you have that male child, it was upwards of 30% chance that the poor guy would end up with a micropenis because there was too much estrogen in the system when his reproductive organs were being formed. And if you look at that chart, um, you know, what a way to sell sunscreen, right? Do you, do you want your junk to work, right? That's, it, it's so foreign to me and so upsetting that, that that's actually where we're headed, right? We need to, if people don't care about the reef, if they don't care about, you know, the ocean, they don't care about the salmon in the river that it is with them, do they care about their own health and the next generation, right? I'm just flabbergasted, I guess is the word. And that's it's incredible. And that's where I've been, right? I mean, it's so frustrating to know this information and have trouble getting it out there. If I had about $20 million, I'd be able to do that. There's, there's a, a very popular talk show host, and I'm not going to cast aspersions on anybody, but a very popular talk show host that um, had a house in Maui. And every time I actually use this person's name, they say, oh, got a house here too. <laughs> you know I mean, so somebody who's very, very influential in the world heard about this and absolutely freaked out and said, yeah, we need to make a change. We're going to get this on our program. And then a couple of days later, I got a call from an assistant saying, if we talk about what you're saying, we lose all of our advertisers that are in that industry. And at this point, it's $60 million a quarter that we will lose in advertising. That's just it, isn't it? That's the name of the game for everything in the world right now. I don't even know if $20 million would get your message out because it's going to be suppressed. Right. And that's what's happening. I mean, literally, um, Richard Branson, right? Virgin Voyages, uh, yeah. they were going to launch a cruise line. And of course, COVID kind of shut all that down. But they have their own island and they were doing research. Like, how do we get the right company to make sure that we're doing the least amount of damage that we can? And he's vegan and very into all that sort of stuff. Well, they found out that we tested on some animals, right? Years and years ago, because there were no tests for it. And how did we know if we had shipped that first 250,000 bottles of uh, shampoo that was killing everything, you know, we would have killed millions of things rather than having a controlled group in a lab, which was our, was our goal. So Virgin Voyages didn't want to talk to us originally. And the science community reached out to Richard Branson and said, hey, <laughs> you're missing the boat, right? I mean, this is the only one that actually can prove that it doesn't do anything wrong. So we went out there and did a presentation for them. They're an amazing group, right? I mean, they're a lot of fun and they're really trying to do what's best. So Richard Branson says, I'm going to make a video for you. He's only done that a couple times for brands. And the PR firm contacts us and said, be sure that you're ready for 160,000 hits an hour. Because the last time he did this, they got millions of hits and it totally crashed their website. So we want you guys to be prepared. And he said, great, right? We, we got it all bumped up. Our website's ready to handle the rush. 
we had 12 new hits from that video. What happened? It's been blocked. We don't know how. <sighs> Their PR firm is Flummox. They're looking at it going, I I've never seen anything like it. How is that even possible? We have all the data from the last times we've done this and it's gone nuts. But so we're it's... talking trillions of dollars. Right? So it's being blocked though, like before it's even inception, how do they even know it's coming out? Because I, I thought things typically got blocked once they got out there and it's like, whoa, this is having a massive impact, shut it down. Yeah, so I was in Key West at a uh, city council meeting where they were trying to ban a couple of these chemicals. And I did not have on a stream to see shirt. It was my own personal Facebook page. I did a Facebook live video and said, hey guys, we're down here. I didn't even say who I was or where I was from, right? We're down here at, at the city council. Um, come and help us take care of your coral reef, right? And I had this really ugly coral restoration shirt on that was, you know, coral colored and it really, really worked for me, but whatever. It, 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 it went out there onto Facebook Live within minutes it had ads above it and below it on Facebook saying that this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And before the end of the day, it was gone. Hmm. Right. And so a lot of these things now are not even getting up there. It happened on YouTube as well. I don't know how within moments they can have videos contradicting everything that we say and then get ours taken down. That's a lot of money. And really what it comes down to is there are individuals at each of these very large companies that that's their main job is just follow this guy, right? Yeah. Make sure that he doesn't do anything that we don't want. Yeah, we could really go down the rabbit hole on all the censorship stuff. And I think we won't because it could, <laughs> it could really oh. go dark and deep. But oh, people, people, yeah. need, people need to understand that the information that we're getting through mainstream media and social media is biased, so heavily biased. And the information that many people are seeking is totally blocked and shut down to the point that you can't even find it anymore. So people just assume it doesn't exist. Right. In the past, you used to, uh, if you were looking for natural remedies and things like that, I remember Googling and Dr. Mercola would come up all the time, right? Because he was pushing kind of natural remedies, like him or not, whatever, it didn't matter. But um, now you actually have to search specifically for Dr. Mercola if you want to find his stuff. It yeah. won't come up because it's considered an alternative. And so they don't want that. The mainstream is not okay with that. Uh, it's very frustrating to me. And that's why I'm looking at wherever I can tell people it's an individual thread, right? I mean, it needs to be a grassroots thing where people that know get the information to other people that are interested in knowing and and push that around and that's what's the that's the only thing i can see that's going to make a change is when the consumers demand something that's safe for them right yes. and they have to be knowledgeable enough to know what's safe for them and my understanding when you were talking about you know information and what's biased since news became something that was paid advertising it's gone down to 15 percent fact and it's so hard to figure out what 15% is the fact because 85% of everything that we're hearing is opinion based on something, <laughs> right? But I don't know what it is. Yep. So 
it, it really is individual research. And, and like you said, it's even getting harder to do the research, especially through social media and yeah. Google. Well, Ro Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's been fighting to keep our waters clean for decades, has just been deplatformed on social media. Yeah. So it's... It's happening everywhere and it's i have limited time i'm sure <laughs> right if yeah. i get enough of an audience <laughs> it's gonna be a problem and you know that's all right that's the battle we're fighting right this is a company that is morals over money and all you have to do is look to you know my business partner and i i'm three and a half years in and haven't taken a salary she hasn't in five years right this is about we need to get this information out there and make global change um, unfortunately, because we're a for-profit business, we still have to sell stuff to do that, but that's a, uh, a, a wonderful, easy route, right? You change your shampoo and you haven't killed things, right? The cost is the same. It works great. And that's something that, that normally I run into. It's either good for you, good for the environment or nice to use, right? And rarely do you find all three. Like when they told me I was supposed to eat carob over chocolate, it's just not good. Right? <laughs> I mean, compared to chocolate, right? I mean, I'm I'm sure I've angered somebody that really likes carob, but I mean, in comparison, it's not good, right? So you look at a shampoo and you go, okay, most of the ones that I used in the past that I, were organic and healthy and all that sort of stuff, they, they wouldn't suds or they didn't feel well, or they'd leave slime in your hair or whatever, right? All of this was designed for active outdoors people or, you know, first, well, first not kill anything, then active outdoors people. And then we wanted to make sure that it was healthy and everything has to be a win-win-win, right? So we don't have any interest in taking advantage of anything at this point. Yeah. Well, even as you said, you traced a component of yours to a blue tub in England that was contaminating your whole product line. Just, I know you, you have imagined this, but the amount of organic ingredients sitting in blue plastic tubs contaminating them or the organic ingredients that we buy in the grocery store that are wrapped in plastic or sealed in plastic. I had Dr. Tom O'Brien on the show not long ago, and he spoke at great length about the damage we're doing with these plastics. It's pervasive. And for you guys to be creating your own bottles to eliminate that contamination... It's just proof of how far you are going to make sure you're delivering the best possible product. Yeah, we're crazy, <laughs> right? I mean, it, and to us, it, it's about being able to sleep, right? Like if we can do better, we're going to do better. I keep asking, you know, Autumn, this amazing formulator and herbalist, are you going to come up with something that's going to be easy for me to explain and, and cheap? And she said, no, probably not. <laughs> Right. That's just, and she keeps coming up with something going, I think I can make this one cheaper. And then she comes out and says, Oh, you know what? It got more expensive because it's actually better. Well, right. we don't pass those prices necessarily along to our customers. So if you look at, we have a three ounce tube of sunscreen that's 1695 and you can buy a, you know, cheap fish killing, uh, you know, testosterone inhibiting estrogen adding, sunscreen for $3.99, the deal is that ours goes four times as far because you don't use very much, right? So the price difference is less than a dollar to make sure that your junk works and that you have oxygen for the next generation, right? And I look at that and go, that's an easy choice, 
Mm -hmm. right? Are you going to pay for erectile dysfunction drugs or are you going to just pay a little bit more for the product that you're using, right? And so look at, look at um, hand sanitizer. In this whole COVID age, we had to pivot to hand sanitizer because groups like Virgin Voyages and MSC and Princess Cruise Lines canceled all their orders, right? Even though they have like marine reserves and stuff like that, that they're trying to become much more eco-minded because they get harassed about how non-eco-minded they have been in the past. Um, all those orders went away. We pivoted to making hand sanitizer because what we could not find was one that didn't have endocrine disruptors or microplastics or a denaturant, there's another one. So everybody, you can look at your labels. Does it have triclosan? Because that's an endocrine disruptor. Does it have carbomer? Because that's microplastics. Does it have petroleum glycol? And then you can start to look for the sunscreen chemicals because they're in there too. Octanoxate, oxybenzone, I found those in hand sanitizers. But then the one that's not on the label, how do you denature the alcohol, right? So all denaturing alcohol means is make it taste bad so people don't get drunk on it, right? So they won't drink it. And a lot of them use something that's incredibly toxic to humans and to the environment. We decided to use eucalyptus and camphor. And we use all um, our alcohol comes from orange peels because we're based in Florida. And so we use the orange peels after they make orange juice out of them, right? They just ferment them and turn it into alcohol. So our hand sanitizer is probably twice as much as you know, one of the, the super toxic ones. But once again, is it worth it? Is it worth it for it not to dry out your skin? Is it worth it to not be putting microplastics into the environment? It is for me. Yeah, me too. Let's talk a bit about what is in your sunscreens. Are yeah. you using titanium or zinc or something else? And what are the other ingredients? Yeah, we are using titanium dioxide in our current sunscreens. Um, it is a non-nanoparticle pharmaceutical grade titanium dioxide that does not break down and cause any problems. It is, we have two different types of formula. We have our original, which is the standard white looking. We also have a tinted where we've added iron oxide um, and it just blends a little bit nicer. But the important part to me is actually all of the antioxidants that we put in. So holy basil, tulsi, guacamole, seaweed, all sorts of just beautiful antioxidants that are the base of all of our formulas. And what's interesting to me, we've had three different tests that were kind of fun. Um, one of them absolutely horrendous, but, but the other one's kind of fun. And that is where we had a control group with an aquarium. We had stream to sea put into an aquarium, and then we had a competitor put into another aquarium. To consider something aquatic toxicity, everything has to die in 96 hours. Okay, that's not much time for one, and it has to be 100% for them to consider it aquatic toxicity. So <laughs> some good logic right. there. <laughs> right. In 96 hours, the control group one fish died. These were orchid, dotty, dotty back orchid, something little guppy looking fish, right? It's something that people test a lot of things on. So in one tank, uh, and we didn't do this test, somebody else did this, but um, the control group lost one fish. The competitor sunscreen in 96 hours, three of them died. That's a 30% loss, right? Out of 10 fish. 
And they said, no, that's fine. That's normal attrition. If it was 30% of the humans dying in 96 hours, we might have an <laughs> issue with this. But, but okay, 30% of fish, maybe, right? I don't know. Maybe they're just a, a little sketchy. So at the 96-hour mark, three of theirs had died. So that means that that sunscreen is not aquatic toxicity at all. You start watching, and it's about movement, motility, right? So within a couple minutes, the motility changes dramatically in the tank with the competitor sunscreen. And at about the 36 hour mark, nobody's really moving, but they start moving again at around the 72 hour mark. And that's because their neurological systems have been fried. So they are going into rigor mortis. They are twitching. They are ramming into the side of the tank. They're swimming sideways. I mean, it's just like a nightmare to watch this thing. The interesting part to me, well, okay, they, they stop eating almost immediately, and they never start eating again. And by two weeks, everything in the competitor tank is dead. In the stream to sea tank, they kind of went, ooh, you just put sunscreen into our tank. And they all swim around really fast for a little bit. And then they go, whatever, it's not doing anything to us. And they just calm right back down and they keep eating, right? There's no problem. We didn't even have one die. So I'm looking at it going, it's even better than the control group. I had another kid do this with sunflower seeds. They put a competitor sunscreen, you know, soil, all the same soil and water and everything, put a competitor sunscreen in one, ours in another and a control. The competitor sunscreen never sprouted. The control group sprouted to a normal level. Stream to sea went twice as high, right? So not only is it not doing harm, I haven't done the science on it, but it seems to be doing good. So I have right? to spread this thing on my farm? That's what I'm saying. But it could be it could be good for the company. We could push it could this. Be good. We, could, we might be really profitable if we start <laughs> using this farm stuff. No, we're not going that route. Okay, so the last one that I liked was closer to home for me, um, Great Salt Lake. Somebody in Salt Lake City did um, brine shrimp. So the brine shrimp, um, they almost died immediately when exposed to the chemical sunscreen. Um, some people know them as sea monkeys, little bitty things, right? But very susceptible to what's going on. And most people use them for fish food. But the stream to sea group uh, versus the control group, the control group lasted a normal length in captivity. The stream to sea group lasted so long that they actually bred and there was another generation, right? So I'm looking at it going, hmm. that's the key to me. Yes, titanium dioxide is a great UV inhibitor. When you add all those antioxidants, it makes it an incredible broad spectrum. But I actually had somebody do a test on the backs of my hands. Um, they were looking at um, just like aging on the skin. And they said, why is your left hand so much better than your right? It's like your left hand is 15 years younger than the one on the right. And I'm going, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? This makes <laughs> no sense to me because my left hand is actually out the window when I drive, right? Or it's sitting right there in the sun. It should have a lot more damage. And then Idaho Search and Rescue asked me to provide some sunscreen for one of their um, tests that they were doing. And I said, sure, but I went and showed them how to apply the sunscreen. And that's where I figured it out. I take a little drop on my right hand on my yeah. right finger and then I dot it around on my left and rub <laughs> it in. And I'm like, oh, right right then. I'm like, that's why. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's just all the antioxidants. I mean, and I can even see just sitting here looking at them. The one on the right's got a lot more like brown dots and stuff like that. The left, it's like a really high-end lotion, right? That's taking care of your biome. 
You could be a hand model with that hand. <laughs> no, I still have Hawaiian, right? Fat, stubby <laughs> fingers. It's just not going to work. Very sturdy, but. <laughs> so, and you also, beyond sunscreen, you have skincare line. Does that include hair, pro hair product line? Yeah, we actually had to go, all right, we keep finding these niches and it drives us crazy when we can't find something that's actually safe. If somebody else is making something that we go, wow, that's awesome. We don't make one, right? I mean, why? We, we can refer people to this. So we made a shampoo and it's made by Autumn Blum, our, our cosmetic chemist, who's also a master diver. And so everything has a lot of uses. It's an amazing mask defog right? Hmm. It's got all the enzymes in there to break down uh, all the funk in wetsuits, because why not put it in there? Um, amazing for use in freshwater or saltwater. We always tell people not to, because then everybody thinks you can bathe in the freshwater and saltwater. We're the only ones that I know of that are safe to do that. Even the term biodegradable, right? There's another one like, like organic. Biodegradable means it will break down in 30 days in sewage sludge into individual parts that the FDA and EPA say are safe for human consumption. Should we really be trusting what the FDA and EPA say anyway? No. <laughs> In general, no, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, to me, that's my actual hope. Like, we want to look long-term. I would like this company to shift the collective consciousness of the globe, right? And then be able to make this profitable enough that I can go after groups like the FDA and the EPA and actually make them effective. Because I yeah. think the idea behind them originally was great, but they don't have testing labs. I sat next to a gal that was in charge of testing for the FDA on an airplane for three and a half hours, and she just blew my mind, right? The companies are responsible for providing their own testing. And rarely do we know if anything is safe until somebody dies and yeah. they take it to court and they say, please open up the testing. And then you realize it was written by an author and an attorney, not a scientist. Right. And why is the FDA and EPA saying that anything that's been baked in sewage for 30 days is safe for human consumption? It's not that anything. It's saying that it will break down in 30 days. That's what the term biodegradable means. Yeah. We'll break down in 30 days to its individual parts into something that's safe for us to, to consume. So if you look at that, the biodegradable soap that I've been using for backpacking for you know 40 years turns out isn't safe at all. It does not mean that it will break down in freshwater, saltwater, air, dirt. It means that it will break down in sewage sludge. And I don't plan to camp in sewage sludge or swim no. in sewage sludge. So it's totally ineffective for, for my intention. So we made a shampoo that's good for that. Great body wash, whatever. We have a leave-in conditioner that was designed specifically for her because she's got a huge head of curly hair and she goes diving. And salt water will turn that into a nasty mess of just gum, right? I mean, it's tangles and everything. So this stuff is designed to be used in salt water to take all the tangles out. I have parents that use it as detangler for their kids with unruly hair when they're trying to teach them to brush their own hair. We have a sting relief gel. The sting relief gel was designed when she was diving. She bumped into fire coral. And fire coral will change your whole perspective on the world really quickly. <laughs> it, it's very painful and blisters and is awful. Ouch. And yeah. So being an herbalist, right, she's heading for the surface. Like, I'm out, right? I'm dying. I'm going to leave, right? The master diver where she was, an, an indigenous individual said, nope, stay here. You know, 
all with hand signals, of course, because they're about 70 feet underwater. Um, he goes underneath a brain coral and pulls some of the mucusy stuff out and rubs it on her arm and really? then starts counting with his fingers, right? By the time he hit nine, she couldn't feel it. Wow. Right? That's so cool. So cosmetic chemist and herbalist, she says, okay, most things that harm humans within about 200 feet, you can find the cure in nature as well. Yes. So she says, go get me some more of it goes through, finds all the enzymes that are in whatever that brain coral mucus was and puts it into our sting relief gel. So it works for fire coral, but it also works for jellyfish and bug bites. I use it as aftershave. Anything that annoys your skin, this is the only stuff that I found is healthy because aftershave usually has rocket fuel in it, literally. Just Google it. Propylene glycol and, mm -hmm. you know, isopropyl butane, all these things that you go, that sounds like a, my camping stove. Yep, it is. Um, lip balms, sunscreens. We have the first um, Shark Allies uh, certified squalene product. It's a hydrator that helps rebuild your microbiome, um, but most of them are from shark livers and they kill millions of sharks a year to put these into beauty care products. And we don't, ours is an olive based. So um, amazing there, the lip balms to me, oh, most people that get addicted to lip balm, and I don't know how it is where you are, but we're pretty dry here. And so I would say a quarter of the population is addicted to lip balm. And I use the term addicted because most lip balms, when you put them on that part that goes, ah, that felt great. That's the part that's actually drying your lips out. Mm. So ours has all of our same antioxidants add in calendula and green tea and you know all these beautiful things that just calm you know your body down um, it heals itself so i've gone from two to three times an hour that's the kind of addiction that i had couldn't leave the house without it and now i'm down to two or three times a day and i can actually make it for a couple hours without it in my pocket without freaking out and what is the base of it it's the same um, antioxidants. I mean, it does have um, uh, beeswax. Beeswax, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, can't be considered completely vegan. But, mm -hmm. but yeah, haven't found something that works better than that. Yeah. Well, I'm like, I'm going to get all of your products. They sound amazing. <laughs> what about the sun, though? Like, this is something your brother and I talked about, too. Are we vilifying the sun too much? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's the thing. There are certain parts of the population that probably should have sunscreen on all the time, right? There are certain groups that cannot handle it. And to me, it's, I mean, I went to, and, and our grandfather actually died of malignant melanoma. Right. And so he was one of those people that should have not spent much time in the sun. I still think that you could manage it if it was 10 o'clock in the morning for 15 minutes or whatever. But I think there's a lot of things that we've kind of taken completely out of context and, and pushed different ways. Right. So you look at all these chemicals that we're putting on our body and that we're ingesting and all these different things. At some point, it would not shock me at all if somebody came to me and said, the sunscreen chemicals are actually causing sun, uh, skin cancer. I believe it fully. Yeah, that would not shock me at all. Um, we are not zealots about this. Neither my partner or I are zealots about this. We have a lot of people in melanoma foundations that really are. And okay, right? That's your passion. I can't, I, I can't change that. 
I put on sunscreen when I know that I'm going to be out too long for my body to handle. And I don't think a lot of people are in tune to that. I can feel it the second my body starts to burn, mm. right? And I can feel it if I have put on sunscreen and I missed a spot, right? Within a couple minutes, when it starts to burn, I'm going to go, oh, I, I missed it on my ear, right? Or when I paddleboard race, I always hit my my left calf when I go around corners and I've taken all the sunscreen off of it. And so I'm going to fry right there. But I think using some intellect, using the, the times that make the most sense, right? The 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock time, time zone, um, you know, whenever the sun is, is correct for it, making sure that you don't put on your sunglasses until 10 minutes after you go outside because much of what I've learned is the eyes tell your body what to do. And so the eyes tell your body, be prepared for the sun and they handle it better. Um, okay. You put your sunglasses on right away, it doesn't know that. If you're gonna be outside for long periods of time and you know you're gonna get fried, wear a hat, wear a shirt, right? There are lots of lovely SPF shirts out there. The parts that you can't cover, like your hands, your neck, your nose, whatever. Yeah, put sunscreen on at that point. But I've gotten to the point where I can put sunscreen on at about 11 o'clock in the morning in Fiji, where the ozone is totally depleted and totally different, and put the sunscreen on one time during the day. It's only rated for 80 minutes, but I don't get burned. Mm -hmm. right? But I have to reapply to all those places like where the snorkel hits my ear. <laughs> I know right. it's been rubbed off and I can feel it. But see, now there's people like my wife that do not feel it at all. And so she will completely forget to put it on her back or something like that and just get fried. Mm. So to say, you know, for each individual person, just like I used to think I knew what everybody was supposed to eat. Um, I don't make those judgment calls anymore because everything that I was eating at the time I became allergic to. So, you know, I, I, I would not prescribe sun use or vitamin D intake, but I think that it is very important that we have access to the sun. Yeah, it's definitely not one size fits all. The vision thing, the eyes tell the body, is that like an enzymatic reaction that's going on? Is there something physiological that where the eyes are actually causing a reaction in the body to prepare for the sun? Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna totally mess this up and I've, I've confirmed it a number of times with people, but it, it, the melanin in the skin, I think it tells it to okay. like, get prepared and, and beef up um that's cool because, I didn't know that. right yeah i didn't know that either um and i have found that to be the case especially so in in boise we get a lot of sun but it it's very cold so you're you know right now so you're mostly covered up but we hit a 52 degree day and all burn in 15 minutes right that's just and and i have relatively you know ruddy complexion and it takes a long time for my skin to build up. Well, I did this test just knowing this this year, it was 52 degrees out and we were sitting by a lake. And so I figured, okay, I'm not going to put my sunglasses on. I'm going to go out there and, you know, take my shirt off and see what happens. I was there for 40 minutes. I got a little bit of color, but I never burned. Wow. And normally I would be burned within 15 minutes. Like I can feel it like, oh man, got to cover up. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Mike, unless you're talking about 52 degrees Celsius, 52 degrees is not that warm. <laughs> well, well, when you, you guys from, must be really depressed for sun and warmth there. It's well, when you go from, you know, 19 the week before to 52 <laughs> Fahrenheit, you go, oh, sweet. And you're by a lake by yourself. Sun 
Yeah, well, I mean, I was trying to get some vitamin D, right? I mean, it's just. I'm with you on it. I agree too. <laughs> yeah, it's. Florida won't <laughs> understand that 52 is uh, secured <laughs> off with the lake uh, weather, but but Boise gets it. It won't be in August, you know. Then then you're all your blood's thinned, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is awesome. I love all this information. It is so helpful. Where can people find out more about your product and buy them? Because I want to make, I want to, I want to get you a salary. Okay. So <laughs> thank you. We're gonna have at least a dozen listeners to this episode. So I'm, my goal is to get them all buying your product. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, it's not sustainable if we don't eventually get to, <laughs> to a salary, but. Um, so where can you buy it and, and where to research? Streamtosee.com is a great place to, to start your research. Um, I know a lot of your folks are in some sort of health practitioner sort of realm. Yes. Um, Emerson is just starting to carry us. So Emerson is the place that a lot of practitioners go to buy things, right? Okay. So, um, kind of like a full script or natural partners or any of those sort of groups. Emerson is the one that is going to pick us up. They were very, very um, interested in hearing all of this sort of research. I thought it was beautiful and I'm sure they're going to do some trainings on it, but it's just days away. We've turned in our paperwork for that. Um, awesome. You can Congrats. Of course find, thank you. You can of course find us on, you know, Amazon and things like that. Um, but helps i think to go through local channels if you can i know that there is a gentleman named mark strang that's in bc that is really into the surf communities and is starting to push um, us in tofino and a bunch of different areas great um, we actually were just put on as a sponsor for the canadian surf association nice so that's kind of cool and usually that's what we find is people that are trying to protect the ocean or the early adopters Mm -hmm. And we've had more struggles in the natural realm because of that organic question, right? Mm. The fact that some of the organic products are actually more toxic than the non-organic. And so we can't use them. If it's going to kill ocean life, we can't use them. Um, what most health food stores want to see is, you know, the EWG rating, the, um, the Leaping Bunny, the B Corporation, the, the organic label. And we kind of fall outside of that. If we're the only ones on the planet that are tested and proven not to harm things, why aren't we the number one choice? You should have like a hundred leaping bunnies on yours. I think you're missing a bit of a marketing window here, Mike. And that is maybe, I think you came up with a tagline earlier. It doesn't hurt your junk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of funny because I used to teach a men's parenting class and um you know when i had younger kids and things like that and that's what one of the guys said too you're absolutely missing the market so that you're right it's the same thing um and that's hard to market right because right now our group is the marine scientists right they're the ones that are most into it but what i love is one of them a a, a um, intern for NOAA and nasa said mike if you because I, I always i always you know apologize. I'm sorry that we're going to talk about people's junk. I'm sorry that we're going to talk about their, and, and she said, Mike, stop apologizing because the National Hockey League had the cup as a mandatory part of the uniform 100 years before the helmet. Hmm. So if you have to talk about people where they're thinking, right, and what's important to them, their junk, 
and it saves the oxygen for the rest of the planet, do it. Right. So yeah, we have a lot of taglines like protect what you love, protect who you love, save all the babies, right? I don't care if they're human or cuddly little coral larva. If they're finding microplastics in these chemicals in babies when they're born, it's in 85% of mother's breast milk, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, how far does this stuff go? Um, what is it going to take, right? And so we do talk to the people about the ocean, but we're starting to talk more and more about hormones and yeah, and their junk. We wouldn't be here without that. And we yeah, wouldn't be here yeah. much longer without it. Right, kind of important. And I've, you know, I'm not a doomsday person. I think that we're going to figure out. I, I think that we've royally screwed things up, but I think that we have a lot of the ways to fix it. This is just one of them, yeah. but it's an easy one to do. But I look at it and say humans are incredibly resourceful, and I'm sure that we'll figure out ways to make this work. Um, I have had people say to me, you know, oh, you know, God will take care of it, and and that's cool. I don't argue with that. I just hope that we're here to see it, right? If we're waiting for somebody else to take care of the problem, I don't think that's gonna that's gonna be our fix. Right. right? Well, it sounds like you are definitely being proactive. <clears throat> so thank you for doing that. Are the products available to buy on your website? And by the way, that's stream to see with the number two stream, number two C.com. Yes. Thank you. And it's S E A. I've had all sorts of people spell that wrong, but yes, stream the number two C. Yes. They are all purchasable on our website. On your website. Okay. Yep. And then do you have any suppliers in British Columbia where a lot of our listeners will be? You know, I would check with uh, Mark. We do have a, a cool. uh, dealer locator. You do, um, right? And I just did a quick search. Yes, we do in Campbell River, Tofino, Burnaby. Yeah. Cool. Go ahead and you can add more to that. I'm just seeing if we have... Oh, we do have in Vic Victoria. Yeah, okay. So yeah. there are some vendors. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and there are a couple of them in you know, Washington and Oregon when everybody goes across the border to go to Costco or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that anymore. No, not not since COVID, I'm sure. Nobody wants to spend two weeks in a government quarantine facility when they come back. No kidding. What a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to do some of that stuff here soon. Yes. Well, I'd love to have you on the island, host you sometime when you can come here. We'll go out for some nice paddle boards and nice. explore. And yeah. uh, this has well, been great. Well, thank you. It's it's very important to me. My mom uh, lives in Orcas Island, and my brother oh, in yeah. Washington. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of you know that area and the whales. And it's so frustrating mm -hmm. to me to see their numbers starting to drop as well. You know, the first generation calf always died once it started, um, you know, getting all the toxins from the mother's milk. But now they're starting to see the second generation die, mm -hmm. and you know, it's the same thing that's happening with humans it's just we're slower to slower to die right and so we don't yeah. see it as much yeah. well great work that you are doing i really hope that you're able to continue with the sustainability of the company so you can continue to advocate for our oceans and all creatures and the health so it's so important and sunscreen is so ubiquitous so yeah. what you're doing is fantastic well, and I would love to hear from folks if they have routes that you think we ought to go. I mean, your marketing tip with, <laughs> you know, you want to <laughs> to work, that's great. Um, we need all the help we can get, right? We're a small company that's trying to, to do the right thing. 
and we're up against big companies trying to make sure that we don't. And so to me, um, anything we can do, you know, any partnerships that we can create, and that's what it comes down to is really partnerships. We end up with, I, I had a, a gal that's a fisher person that touched a fish after a sunscreen that I saw her put on on a video, right? Somebody said, you got to watch this video. She puts on one of the sunscreens, it's chemicals, catches a fish and releases it. And then about three days after I see that video, I see a study that says when you touch fish with that, it eats the slime layer and likely that fish will die anyway, right? So you, you caught it and released it, but you still did incredible harm to it. So I sent that off to her. Hey, here's a study. Want you to know this. I'm happy to get you some samples of the stuff that will work right and, and save what you're doing. If you're releasing them, you must want them to still survive. And her response back was, it costs $500 to have a conversation. Let me know if you still want to continue this. Wow. Right. So that's not a partner. Uh, right? no. what, I'm, what I'm looking for is somebody that is not trying to make a ton of money off of it. They're going for morals over money, but I can get product into people's hands if it's going yeah. to make it. Well, I'll check. Maybe it's something we can start to carry in our herbal dispensary as well. Maybe we'll start to carry it at the college. I'm sure a lot mm -hmm. of our listeners will be interested in trying some. Well, if you have hand sanitizer at the college, that's going to freak them out. <laughs> yeah. That one will be an interesting one. <laughs> Read those <laughs> labels. Read those labels and understand what, what's there and what's not. <laughs> well, the whole de denaturing process that you spoke of, that's, I doubt many people know of that. No, they don't. They don't. But hey, you know, like you said, we're together, we can do better, right? Yeah. So, so what is it? What does it take? Where are we going to go with it? I think it's beautiful. And, and just being able to, to speak to your listeners and, and, uh, you know, get, get their interest and feedback and, and all of the places and people that they're going to influence. Yeah. You know, that's, that's huge. Yep. Thank you, sir. Good news is you are at least 50% as knowledgeable and enthusiastic as, as your brother, if not more, <laughs> if not more. <laughs> well, great. <laughs> no, this has been truly fantastic. You've been a pleasure to talk with. You definitely have done your research, your homework, and what you've been able to offer just to listeners through this is going to be tremendous. I know it's been, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and call it life-changing for me because now I know that I'm going to be looking for different products when it comes to putting sunscreen on my kids or on me. And that's going to make a difference. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, we got to, if you've got kids, we got to start talking, uh, you know, the bug bites and shampoo and conditioner and all that sort of stuff too, right? Anything we put on them. Yep. If you're not making it. <laughs> Actually, that's one of my favorite stories locally as a gal made all of her own stuff because she knew about all the toxins and a good friend of ours. And when I started with this company, I said, oh, will you check this out? She started weeping, just literally sobbing because she said, you have just saved me almost a month out of my year of making all of my own products, mm. right? Because it's cheaper, it's easier, it's done. It's in sugarcane resin tubes. I don't have to make this anymore. Now I don't have to be worried about it. Yeah. That's well, and in my community, especially related to the college, there are a lot of great herbalists and nutritionists and other people who are making wonderful products, I'm sure, that sure. probably would pass the litmus test for ocean safety. 
but being able to track these down and to know that they're good, that's another matter. Whereas you've done the research, your products are tested and, and tried and true and let's support you. I'm all for it. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you, sir. This has been a lot of fun. My pleasure. Let us know if we have any follow-ups or anything else we need to do. Yeah. Is stream to see.com the main place we want to send listeners to? I think that's the best place to start. That's the one. All right. I'll have that in the show notes. Excellent. All right. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Mike Maltair. For more about Mike and his company, Stream to See, please visit streamtosee.com. That is S-T-R-E-A-M-2, as in the number two, S-E-A dot com. If you are interested in studying Western Herbal Medicine, the School of Western Herbal Medicine at Pacific Rim College offers world-renowned programs, including world's only study options, combining Western Herbal Medicine with acupuncture and holistic nutrition. Visit pacificrimcollege.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to check out our online education in herbal medicine by exploring the amazing course offerings at pacificrimcollege.online, including many courses featuring other guests of this podcast. Sign up for our newsletter to receive special offers on our newest releases. If you are interested in receiving clinical services in holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, and acupuncture and Chinese medicine, the student clinic at PRC provides more than 7,000 annual treatments. Live holistic nutrition and herbal medicine consultations are both available online, while acupuncture and Chinese medicine treatments can be had at our Victoria campus. Free treatment options are available in all areas. Visit the student clinic at pacificrimcollege.com for more information and to book your appointment. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give it a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, love your skin and our planet with skincare products that are born from ethical principles that are more than just skin deep.